Heavenly Father, I give you thanks uh, for our fellowship here, for our community. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to reflect on your word. And I pray now that you would make our minds sharp and alert, our hearts soft, and that by your Holy Spirit you might teach us and encourage us this morning. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I don't know if that uh, title intimidates you. Have a look what it says. It says, Worshipping God in Trinity. Uh, Matt and I decided uh, a couple of years ago now, I guess, that we would try and have a Sunday every year where we spoke about the Trinity. Uh, Matt did a brilliant job last year, um, and uh, it's my turn this year. Uh, You might think, why have that? Uh, I think it's because it's one of the key distinctives of the Christian faith, and we want to make sure that we speak specifically to it uh, at least once every year. So that's what we're doing this morning. Buckle your seatbelts. You ready? All right, let's dive in. Well, I want us to start by thinking a little bit about uh, how people can respond to us when we talk about God. There are a variety of different ways that people can do it. So you might be talking uh, with someone and they say, oh, yeah, I believe in God too. All right, that's, that's one thing. Some people might say to you, it's a little bit more of a learned point perhaps. They might say, look, uh, the reality is uh, there's really only one God and there are different expressions of worship. In other words, all the people around the world in all their different religions, they're just dressing up differently to worship the one God. We're all worshipping the one God. Some people might say, well, I know that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but, but the reality is, there's, didn't just one God act in three different ways? We don't need all this mucking about. It's just one God, and he presents a different face three different times. Someone might say, I don't go for all that theology. I just kind of love God. And some of you might resonate with that last one particularly. Let's not overthink this whole thing, Yeah? It's all a little bit too much. Let's just get on with loving God. Well, I want to suggest this morning that there are good responses to each of those things and they're different, perhaps, than what you might think. So let's, uh, let's dive in. First point I'd make is that God doesn't really tell us very much at all. The word God doesn't tell us very much at all, especially in a world filled with so many so-called gods. There's a whole lot of different ways that you can think about God in the world. Uh, there's pantheism. You might not have signed up to a pantheistic church any time recently, but the idea is God is in the world. The whole world is part of God. You are worshipping as a part of God's divinity. It's not really a worldview we kind of connect to very much, but God is in everything. Uh, then you've got something like animism, say, where there are spirits and forces behind everything in the world and that causes people to worship their ancestors and do all sorts of stuff like that so that's that's a different worldview then perhaps you've got this is my favorite word that i learned just recently henotheism theism henotheism and you're going okay great how long is this sermon no no no. bear with me bear with me here's what this is here's what this is this is the worldview that says every country has its own god right So the Egyptians have their gods. The Philistines have their gods. When there's a battle between the Philistines and the Israelites, what's actually happening is the gods of two nations are clashing. Can you see that? But it it has a totally different worldview than ours because it's not saying there's one god overall. Every country has its own god. Can you see that? All right. Then there's polytheism, which says there are gods overall, but they're not one, they're many. So the Greeks and the Romans 
and Hindus to a certain extent, they will have a, what's called a pantheon, a whole grab bag of gods that sit over everything but aren't one but many. Does that make sense? So you can have a God view of the world and mean something absolutely entirely differently to what we mean when we use the same three letters. So this morning, we'll seek to understand and worship God as he shows himself. That's what we're going to try and do. As God shows himself to us. And God shows himself to us, I'm going to try and prove this morning, in monotheism in Trinity. Wow, hang on. Monotheism, mono one. Yeah? One, theism, God. One God in Trinity. We're going to try and understand what that means this morning. So where did Trinity come from? Okay, uh, the first response, of course, is, well, show me the verse that uses the word Trinity in the Bible. And guess what? There isn't one. The word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible. I'm going to suggest to you this morning, that's not because it's unbiblical. Okay, and we'll try and, try and make that connection here this morning. So where did the word Trinity come from? Well, the idea of Trinity starts... Number one, in God acting and revealing himself in the world. Okay, So we could say, oh, it starts in the Bible. Well, before that, God acted. We know God in Trinity first and foremost because he acted in the world. More than just acting, though, God also spoke. And so we're right to say that we know God through the Bible. Now, this morning, I'm going to be jumping all over the place in the Bible. There's a couple of particular places I'll get you to open up. If you're a Bible flipper and you're going for the Bible Olympics, you can try and keep up with me. But this is from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning, God, there's our word, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was. Okay, you guys are familiar with that. So we see right at the start of the Bible, we have God and his spirit. Good to note. First thing, God acts. God acts. Second thing, uh, we're in Exodus chapter 20. This is the start of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord, your God. Again, I think it was last year, Matthew spoke about this name, the Lord, Yahweh, God's special name. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Uh, I think it's wonderful the way you opened your prayer today, Mandy, by recounting God's acts. Brilliant. And God reveals himself through his name. I am Yahweh, your God, who acted. Can you see that? So God reveals his name. God reveals his name. The Lord. And then we go to Deuteronomy, this reading that was brought to us uh, this morning uh, by Kathy. Uh, this is a very famous part of the Old Testament, and the, the uh, Jews uh, still say this today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Does that sound like anything that you've heard before? Someone said that, yeah? Very good. So you're not Jews, but you've heard Jesus say it, yeah? This is something that is very dear to the Jews, that they would say daily. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So what do we see here? God is one. God is one. 
The God who reveals himself as Yahweh is one. We're going to go to uh, John chapter 20. Uh, In John chapter 20, we've had Jesus crucified. We've had him buried. We've had him raised. We've had him appear to his disciples and somebody missed out. Who missed out? Thomas. Thomas missed out. And Thomas kind of goes, I'm not going to believe this whole thing until I get a personal encounter with Jesus. Now, we might, uh, we might think that Thomas was being a little bit selfish or uh, self-centred at that point, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus lets Thomas's doubt meet his risen reality. Have a look at these words here. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, ready for this? My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. What do we see here? Jesus is God. Because Jesus didn't immediately say, hey, Thomas, back off, you're a little bit excited. I'm kind of important, but I'm not God. He didn't say that at all. He received those words from Thomas and let them stand. Jesus is God. This is a passage I would love you to open up. If you've got John 14 there, the one that um, uh, Tim just read for us. Now, I don't know, you were probably listening as Tim read on, and he's like, in me, in you, in them, him in this, they in that. And you're like, what on earth is going on here? Well, what I want to show you in this little passage here, we're going to have a look at verses 15 to 20. I want you to have a look closely with me and see how important this is in understanding who God is. It says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, that you are in me, and that I am in you. And you might think, wow, that's... All very confusing. Hey, Zach. Um, you might think that's all very confusing. Have a look up here. I've just made it a little bit more confusing. But what I've done, what I've done, if you have a look up on the screen, the yellow is for God the Father. The orange, hey, mate, hey, Zach, I think your mum wants you to stand still, mate. Very good. Um, the, uh, the yellow is for God the Father, the red is for Jesus speaking of himself, and the orange is for the Holy Spirit. What we see here is Jesus saying, I will be in you. The Holy Spirit will be in you. That God will not leave you, we will be with you. What does this say? I'll cut to the chase. The Spirit is God, or the Spirit is divine as well. Okay? We see Jesus saying, I'll be with you. He says, the Spirit will be with you. Well, we know that Jesus is divine. If he says he'll be with us, and the Spirit is the one who'll be with us, the Spirit must be divine as well. The Spirit is God. All right. Two guys that you should know about. There's probably a lot more, and I think um, 
again, I think Matthew did a really great job of this uh, last time we spoke on it. Uh, a guy called Irenaeus, he died in 202 AD. What does that mean? He was very, very close to the time where Jesus was around. He says this. He was the first guy who kind of put it together. He said, we're saved by one God who is the uncreated Father, the Word, His Son, our Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who renews our humanity. He was the first person who said, God is three and one. Another guy called Tertullian, who died again, same sort of time. It wasn't that there was bad food there. They just were operating at the same time. He says, the three persons are distinct, yet not divided, different, yet not separate or independent of each other. God is Trinity, a three and one. Tertullian was a guy who came up with the word Trinity. Okay, very good. You've done the hard work. What does Trinity mean? I'm going to suggest this morning, Trinity means three persons and one substance. There's one God and three persons. One God, three persons. One and three. And this is an absolutely uniquely crazy claim that only Christians make. Okay? It's a special degree of craziness that no one else in any other religion has sought to replicate. Okay? We say God is three persons and one substance. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, let, let's think about what it doesn't mean, what it does not mean, okay? There's a thing called tritheism, okay? And what tritheism says is not that there is one God, rather that there is, in fact, three gods. There is a God called the Father, there is a God called the Son, and there is a God called the Spirit. And in the Old Testament, we see God the Father. And then he goes back to wherever he needs to hang out. And then we have God the Son come and act. And then we have God the Holy Spirit who is with us. But all the time, there are three gods. Can you see that? Three gods. That's not what we believe. Second error. Second error is a thing that we'll call modalism. I'll show you what that means and then you can understand So modalism says there's one God, but what he does is he presents a face to the world one at a time. So God puts on, it's like a mask. He acts as God the Father in the Old Testament. We go, oh, hello, God, and God's wearing his the Father mask. Then he takes that mask off and wears the mask of God the Son. Then he puts that mask back on the shelf and reveals himself as God the Father. Oh, sorry, you're paying attention. Very good. God the Holy Spirit. So this one, modalism says, is one God and three modes. So really, it's just he's just swapping masks, presenting himself in different ways. That's not us. We believe something called the Trinity, which says God the Father is God. So far, so good, right? We believe that God the Son is God. We believe that God the Holy Spirit is God. But we believe that the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. Three persons, one God. Trinity. Good. Keep going. Let's see these three persons and one substance, or one God, 
in salvation story. This is the best place to go. So rather than thinking it's just some tricky academic exercise, I want to show you that we see the three persons and one God in salvation story. And this is a passage I'd like you to turn up. It's in Titus chapter 3. Now the first person who finds Titus can call out the page number. Um, Titus is amongst the T books in the New Testament. So if you've got to Hebrews, you've gone too far. One, two, eight, oh. One, two, eight, oh. No. 1201, thank you. You guys are all hearing it brilliantly and you're the only people who need to know. That's great. So here we are. We're in Titus and chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. And we're going to have a look at verses uh, 4 to 7. So it's talking about the way that we were saved. I'll start from verse 3 because it's good. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That's a pretty dire description of human behaviour, isn't it? Before you were saved, it was an ugly, ugly world. Have a listen to this. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Is God good? It was when we were like that, then God's kindness and love appeared. So we can see up here, we've got the word God. Now you can look up. I'm going to show you some things in this little passage here. We've got the word God. So the word God appears here. Let's have a look at it. God is also referred to as God our Saviour. God our Saviour. God our Saviour is the Lord, is Yahweh, is God the Father. God our Saviour. We see God our Saviour, we see mention of the Holy Spirit, and we see mention of Jesus Christ. You see that? So at least we have the three names there. Is that right? We'll agree that much? Okay, that's good. If we have a look a little bit more closely, we see that God is called, God the Father is called God our Saviour, and someone else is called our Saviour as well. Who's that? Jesus Christ. So God the Father is our Saviour, and Jesus Christ is our Saviour. Well, we're tying them together pretty tightly at that point, aren't we? Yeah? More than that, have a look at how he saved us. How was it that God our Father saved us? Well, it says here, he saved us through the washing and rebirth of you by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. So how did God save us? He saved us by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Now, whose action is that? Well, that's God's action, isn't it? And yet it's an action of the three persons of the Trinity. Can you see this? I know it's Sunday morning. Are you with me? So the three persons of the Trinity act to save us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God saves us, but he saves us by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. God acting in Trinity to save us. I think that's pretty exciting. So there's the three persons. Let's have a look at this idea of the three being one. 
This is a very famous passage that uh, you should have marked in your Bibles. And if it's not marked in the Bible you've picked up here, you probably should just mark it in there as well. Um, In Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 to 20, it says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Actually, we'll just stop there for a second. Who has all authority? God. God has all authority, doesn't he? In fact, we'd probably say God the Father has all authority, doesn't he? And yet here we see Jesus, God the Son, say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just a little reminder. Are we treating Jesus as just a good teacher? Can't possibly do that. He is lifted up and given the authority and power of God. Just note it in there. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, one name, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. God is three, but he has one name. He has one name because he's one God. What's his name? His name is God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. So why does Trinity matter? Why does it matter so much? Well, I want to suggest a couple of reasons that I think Trinity matters. Firstly, Trinity is God showing himself. God showing himself. And what I mean by that is it's revelation, not imagination. We are receiving what God has said to us about himself rather than going, if I was going to imagine God, I imagine God like an old man sitting on a rocking chair with a very long beard and a glass of coffee in reach. It's not us imagining God. It's God saying, this is who I am. This is how I've acted. This is how I've saved you. The beauty of the Trinity is its revelation. God revealing himself to us, not our imagination, imagining what God might be like. I've told people before, but I actually take a, um, a kind of funny pleasure in how difficult the Trinity is to understand. Have I told you this before? My, my pleasure with that is, uh, if I was inventing God... I wouldn't make him Trinity. I'd make it tritheistic. Give me three gods. That's pretty easy to understand. Or I'd make it modalist. There's three faces that the one God wears. I wouldn't say one God and three persons. That's just too confusing. Now, why do I tell you that's encouraging? You're going, there. Yeah, that's my problem with the sermon this morning. I'll tell you why it's encouraging. It's encouraging because it suggests to me that it's not something human beings have made up because it's too difficult Are you with me? It sounds much more God as he is revealing himself to us. Are you with me? Because I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have made God like a big bull elephant or something and put a crown on his head. Secondly, Trinity is important. It matters because we honour what we read. If you read John 14 in church, as we just did before, and you decided that you didn't believe in the Trinity you would be disregarding heavily that passage of the Bible. Are you with me? It's saying all this wonderful interrelationship, but you ignore it and go, I don't go for all that theology, it's all a bit too hard. Well, we're disregarding God's word, which is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We'd be dishonouring God. Integrating these thoughts leads us to worship God as he is. You with me? We honour God when we honour him as we find him in the pages of scripture. 
Thirdly, I think this doctrine of the Trinity provides comfort. Gives me a headache. I don't know how it provides me with comfort. Tell you why. It's quite possible to imagine a God who started the universe, switched the machine on, and has knocked off for a smoko and gone somewhere else. A big, empty universe that God started and has just left running. He's doing something else. The Trinity says to me, not just that a bloke called Jesus came and taught, but God himself entered human time and history. That he lived like we live, that he knows us, that he gets us. The Trinity tells me that I am not alone because God the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in the hearts of believers. The Trinity tells me God has come up close. More than that, I'll tell you why it provides me with great comfort. It tells me that relationship is at the heart of the universe. Before there was anything, there was God in Trinity. What that means to me is the Father was relating to the Son, was relating to the Spirit, was relating to the Father. God was in relationship before there was anything else. Community, relationship, therefore, is prior to everything else in the universe. Loneliness is such a curse because relationship is stitched into the fabric of our humanity, in fact, into our universe. Relationship, God relating, sacrificially serving, honouring one another, God in himself is relationship. Relationship is at the heart of the universe. I think that's brilliant. That's my God. So what do I do differently now? What, what would we do differently if we knew something about the Trinity? Well, what if we're having this conversation where someone says, I believe in God too? I want to suggest to you very politely... When I say God, I mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've said this before. But when I say God, I mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is that what you mean? Are you with me? So we can, we can say, oh yeah, we believe in God, and we can kind of have a nice, friendly conversation where we all smile at each other, and nothing actual really happens. But if you say you believe in God, I want to say, I believe in God too. The God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is that who you're saying you also believe in? All right. Secondly, what about this person who says there's really only one God with different expressions of worship? So around the world, everyone's just worshipping the same God. Well, I want you to see this morning, that can't possibly be true. We worship God in Trinity, not God. And that is not the same as anyone else. Are you with me? You can't be, be worshipping a, a God called Allah and pretend that we're doing the same thing if we're honouring Jesus the Son, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. We aren't doing the same thing there. This is pretty controversial. You're with me? So, so the name God, the fact that those three letters appear the same does not mean that we are worshipping the same. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we are worshipping God in Trinity, not any idea that falls under the nameplate God. Thirdly, didn't God just act in three different ways? Isn't there really just one God who kind of just did different stuff at different times? We're saying Trinity, not three modes. Okay, you've learnt that this morning. We're saying, no, 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 it's not just God presenting himself differently. 
It's really that different persons of the Trinity are taking different roles in our history of salvation. And how about this guy, the guy that we all like, the guy that's secretly a little bit us? I don't go for all that theology. I just kind of love God. I want to respectfully suggest this morning that Trinity is who God is and that if you've decided you don't care about that, at some profound level, you're neglecting who God has revealed himself to be. Trinity is who God is. So I want to suggest that somebody who's near you rather than you, that we might leave fear and laziness behind when it comes to our thinking about Trinity. I'm afraid of this idea. It's all a bit scary. I'm just going to not think about it. Or alternatively, laziness. I can't be bothered figuring it out. That's not good enough. I want us to embrace and worship God as he reveals himself in the story of salvation. That is God in Trinity. I would love our church to honour the Father through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. There's a beautiful blessing which I'll leave us with this morning, which is in 2 Corinthians. And it just shows you that this is actually just stitched into the, the way that the New Testament is put together. Have a listen to this blessing uh, as we finish this morning. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would help us to honour you as you are. We thank you, Father, that you sent your Son that your son lived a perfect life, that he died, that he paid the price for our sins, that you raised him in glory, that you seated him at the right hand. Heavenly Father, we thank you that from you, our Father, and your son, you sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, that he lives in our hearts, and that we are never alone, because you, God, are living with us. Give us strength, Father, to figure out how to love and worship and honour you, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.